Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters podcast, where I'm joined by my wife, Olympic mental performance coach, Stephanie Hanlon-Francie. In these episodes, Stephanie and I have a conversation about the different aspects of what we refer to as Mindset Matters, because we believe that for those who are awake, we are living in and through the most impactful time in history. Your view of the world is the filter for how you will experience the evolution and changing dynamics of it. Our intention is to provide you with ideas, nutritious food for thought, and some tools that you can use to help you in being your greatest self and living your best life. Listen in. Enjoy. Hey, folks. Welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters podcast. Stephanie, hello. Hey, hon. So a amazing topic that we're going to cover today, and we're going to start with a couple of cool terms, one of which is metacognition. We got to start there, and we're going to have that conversation. And then there's another term that is a relatively new term that we wanted to bring up, and that is about effective presence. And what does that mean and why it's good to know about these things? So let's get into this uh, topic tonight. And like I say, you know, we're talking about a number of things, effective presence being kind of one of the primary things. We'll talk about what that is and then metacognition and why we, I think, I don't want to say need to, but it was, why it's helpful to understand these two terms. But before we get started, let's talk about being in the moment. Now, this is all part of the bigger conversation, but why don't you describe for you being in the moment? What does that mean for you? Well, I think it's a term right now that's being used, maybe overused, being in the moment, be present. So hence the term effective presence is about how to be effectively in the present moment and how you can occur for yourself and others when you're truly present. When you're in the moment, there's a, a more of a there are better opportunity for you to get the results that you want because you're experiencing what's going on in real time. So you're not living in the future. You're not judging things through the filter of the past. You're not sitting in expectations. You're not sitting in assumptions. You're just present to what is. And you know, with um, athletes, for example, it's so important that they live in the moment and they're present to that moment. And when we first started discussing this years ago with athletes, they'd go, well, which moment? Is it this one? How about this one? <laughs> what about this one? Right, so we would play around with it, and until it sort of landed with people uh, in in a in a way that they were able to say, "Okay, what do I need to do? Who do I need to be right here, right now?" And the line that I came up with years ago is that I just don't want to miss a minute. So I think I was probably one of the originators of effective presence when teaching the athletes on how not to miss a minute because life is short, our careers are short in sport. And I don't want them to miss a minute. And I certainly don't want to miss a minute with them. And so when you're present to the moment, it's really about having the awareness and the understanding that if you miss that moment, or if you're not bringing your attention to what it is that you're doing, you're thinking you're multitasking, or you're trying to do more than one thing at a time, or you're thinking about something, putting lipstick on while you're driving or whatever, then you're really not focused. You're really not in the moment. Well, I would take it to a little bit I don't want to say I would go in a slightly different direction, but I would look at it. I agree with you, by the way, all of that you said. I think there's a couple of things that in terms of effective presence, being there in the moment when there are other people or somebody else there, for example, being in that moment and being connected to the conversation and or 
whatever's going on with other people or another person. Now, a good example of being in the moment, I think, is that when we talk about, for example, if anybody who follows Joe Rogan on his podcast, anybody who's ever listened to stories about somebody like Tom Cruise, which is a really interesting story, uh, because one of the things that Tom Cruise has as a reputation is that when he's with you, there's nowhere else he is. He's in it, really, really in it. Joe Rogan on his podcast, as much as he's known for his opinions and his views, he's also got a reputation for being very present to what his guests are. I know for me, one of the, I guess, the feedback that I often get from my guests when we kind of do a debrief after, I often ask the question, you know, how was that? Did we hit all the points that you wanted? And often I get a comment is I've never been with a host that is as present as you are and it listens as well as you do. And I think that really is an important aspect of where are we when we're in the space of others? You know, to your point, if you're driving and putting your lipstick on, you're obviously not in the moment called I'm driving. There's safety issues that we got to look after. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I know what you mean. But when you're by yourself, what does being in the moment even mean, given what your thought process might be and what it is that you're thinking about or wanting to think about? Maybe that's more the issue is intentional thinking when you're by yourself. What's your thoughts? Intentional thinking and being present to yourself. For example, if I'm driving somewhere and I'm, I don't know where I'm going, I don't know, back in the day, if I was lost, I would turn the radio down, you know, so I could focus. Because there really is a, a way of being present that needs all of your senses. And my sight, my hearing, my um, intuition, etc. If I'm not present to what it is that I'm doing, then I can be really scattered, really disorganized, and I'm very, I can be very forgetful. So I've had to train myself, and that's where I think the emotional and the mental maturity and the self-regulation over, over the years has come in, where I can actually shift my mindset into being fully present. And when I do that, I don't need to be focused. I don't even need to have the radio on. I can just be with my thoughts. I can be with where I am on the journey of my life or in the car or with somebody. And, that, and to your point about being a good listener and an active listener, is that when you're present to somebody and another human being, and you have that connection with them, you're hearing and listening with all of your senses. And that's those senses are giving you more information about what they're truly trying to say. And my intuition can kick in when I'm being present to a client because I'm also reading their body language. I'm also seeing where their eyes are. I'm also reading their, you know, are they sighing or are their shoulders up around their ears or what's really going on for them? And for me as a coach and just as a person who really cares about people and, and wants them to live their best life is that it's my responsibility to own the fact that I need to be fully present when I'm with somebody. I owe them that. I, you know, I don't want to be demanding respect. I want to earn it. And one of the ways that I like to earn respect is to being just to be a great listener. So it's a perfect segue into the two terms that we opened with, which one of which was metacognition. Now, what is metacognition? And by definition, it is actually the awareness and understanding of one's own thought process. So if we go down that rabbit hole a little bit deeper, it's actually trying to, if we put it really simple, it's thinking about what we're thinking. So it's actually referring to the process that, we use to, for example, monitor or assess our own understanding and our performance, our thoughts. So we have to have a real awareness of our thinking and learning. We start to understand how we're thinking, how we're learning. But 
of ourselves not as a thinker, not only as a thinker, but as a learner. So it's starting to get a little bit deeper. There's a conversation there that you and I have had over the years, which is who is the thinker of the thoughts? could be quite esoteric in that kind of thought process, but really it is a part of our brain that as we're speaking, as we're thinking, we're actually able to observe what we're thinking. And it's kind of a, I don't know, it's a little bit of a curveball when you ask the question, who's the thinker of the thoughts? Because as you're having those thoughts, you're observing yourself having those thoughts. You're observing the thoughts that you're having. You're actually having a conversation of where did that thought come from as you're having more thoughts. You follow what I'm saying? And that is a deep awareness. And that's kind of what a high level, what metacognition is all about, is being aware and understanding. Now, this goes back to the conversation we just had around being present. And when whether you're with somebody else or by your or by alone, you have to be looking at that, or you don't have to be, but you should be considering. It's a it's a practice, if you will, of being aware of your thoughts, how you're learning, how you're processing the information that's coming at you. So that's going to all play into the conversation about effective presence. That refers actually to the ability to make an impactful or a meaningful impression when you're in the presence of others, where you're interacting with others or another person and having the different communication and whether it be a meeting or, a, you know, it could be a Zoom meeting, it could be a presentation and you're standing on the stage. You know, it involves a number of kind of key things that we want to shine a light on. So that's kind of the broad, high-level opening of where metacognition and effective presence come together. You want to add to that? Well, think of the two words. Cognition is thinking and how we think. Cognition, think of cognitive dissonance, cognitive distortion. We had those conversations over over time. So cognition is how we process, how we think about things. Meta is more grand. So metacognition, for example, is about how you occur and how you deal with things in a way that, uh, from the state of the of being the observer, in mostly in times of stress. Mm. And this is where I'm really seeing that the skill of understanding what metacognition is, is can you still be present under duress or in times of stress and still take action in the direction of what it is that you need to, to do or to um, task you need to complete? So I tell a story a lot of years ago um, in terms of metacognition, and I didn't realize that this was a thing, but I also have been practicing meditation for a long time and understanding that in order for me to be the observer of my thoughts, but also to be the observer of scenarios that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Years ago, we were in um, in a figure skating simulation just before the Olympics in 2006, and we were in an arena in Montreal called Maurice Richard. And the buses drove up with all the skaters in and the coaches were coming out down the stairs and the skaters were coming and getting their bags and there was a lot of kerfuffle around. And then all of a sudden, we everyone looks over and there's a, a guy standing by, remember old school payphone, but he had just been stabbed. There was blood everywhere. It was super dramatic. Skaters started freaking out. Coaches started freaking out. And it just turned the entire experience into something that in a moment that really threw the energy off. They threw, And it was really dramatic and it was scary. And there's this guy on the ground and he's writhing in pain and there's blood everywhere. So just take that thought for a second. Then I realized as I, stu- as I stood back and I kind of 
was able to slow things down. And I was watching the interactions of the people. Somebody had called 911. The ambulance was on the way. He was alive. He was okay. Somebody had thrown him a, given him a towel to put pressure on the wound, et cetera. But we still had a job to do. And in that moment, I thought, okay, well, I can get caught up in all of this drama. There's nothing I can do for this poor guy. He's being looked after. The ambulance is coming. I have a job to do. We're getting prepared for the Olympic Games. These skaters have a lot of things going on right now in this moment. I have a choice. I can get caught up and swept up into the drama of what's going on and the huge distraction, knowing that truly there was nothing I could do. Nothing. It didn't mean that I wasn't compassionate. It didn't mean that I didn't care. It just means that in that moment, I made a higher level choice to assess what was going on and then make a different decision. So I came and I kind of detoured the skaters that I was working with into the dressing room. They started getting ready. They had no idea what was going on. I had done a really good job herding them into them into the rink. And they're like, what's going on? I go, well, you know, we can discuss it after the sim, after the simulation. We can talk about it. But at this point, you have some things to focus on. Let's work on the warm up. Let's make sure your skates are handled and that your costume's ready and that your makeup's good to go. So I really refocused them. And what I realized in that moment is that I could have gotten caught up in the drama, knowing there was nothing I could do and put the athletes at risk. The last thing they needed was to have that that level of stress going out on the ice when you know what it's like when they're going so fast around the ice and the man is throwing the woman up in the air and there's all this stuff going on. It became my priority to help them focus on the moment, to have effective presence in that moment by using my metacognition. So that's how I started to understand those two terms and that it is a skill that you develop. It's not something that I I knew I had, but in that moment, when I stepped into that, I knew that I had to be hyper aware and cognizant of what was going on in the moment and still take action from a calm and centered place. Well, you know, that's such a great example exactly of both those terms and why it's important because in the term of effective presence, I mean, it really means and evolves, involves, I guess, you know, you have to be able to project confidence and then engage well, still effectively kind of getting your message across or your intentions, which then is what grounds you or gives you the credibility of those around you. In this case, you had credibility, you had the confidence, you showed up exactly what you needed to, or in a way that you needed to in order for your skaters to kind of follow your lead because you were in the moment. You weren't being distracted by that other thing. Now, it's not that that other thing was wasn't awful because it was, but there's nothing that you could have done that would have changed the outcome of that particular incident. So being present, doing that, guiding it. It also shows up, you know, another effective presence, for example, is, and you and I have had this happen many times over the years, is being able to be on stage in front of groups of people, large groups, small groups, whatever. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts in that often because you have to also be thinking about the, well, you are thinking about the audience. You're reading the audience. That is really being dialed into the words you're speaking, the presentation you're doing, and how is it landing for your audience? And that's also another thing about effective presence and understanding what you're saying, like being really aware of that thought process. Because Newer speakers generally are so focused on themselves, worried about what people are thinking about them, they don't actually see what's really going on. And that's 
to your point, what you said earlier is that it's a trained thing. You have to be really aware of it. Thinking about training, metacognition, for example, who even knew what that means? You know, that meant, you know, years ago, if you think about being present on stage and really speaking to the the friendly faces, for example, but also having your feelers out and your intuition, being able to read the room, being able to know if something's going on or at the end of the room, for example, you know, you've got your, your room manager holding up the sign that says 10 minutes left. If you don't see that because you don't have that observer style kicking in, then you could just ramble on and keep going on and on and on. What makes people effective speakers or effective coaches in my world is that they read the room, that they have a high level of awareness of what the other person is experiencing. So when I'm coaching a one-on-one or one-on-many or whatever, my goal is to make sure that their experience, not my experience, their experience, and that's a huge shift. And that comes from, again, effective presence, understanding that, you know, the 33 percent rule 33 of the people that you know we're talking to are going to think we're amazing 33 are going to think we suck and 33 aren't going to care so who are you focused on and when i understood that and i understood that i had to have the awareness of that 66 percent of the people that either didn't like me or didn't care what i had to say but if i focused on that then i would make it about me and that is the opposite of metacognition Metacognition and effective presence is actually the opposite of that. It is actually focusing on the connection with the other person, not the outcome within the connection that you're trying to make. So it's not what you get. It's not about impressing somebody. It's, you know, with your accomplishments, for example, it's about what you're, how you're connecting. So what are you bringing to the table as opposed to what are you going to get from the conversation that you're about to have? Now, This is kind of timely in terms of how it showed up because uh, depending on when we release this particular podcast, we're either going to be on our way or coming back from a event that we're going to in Florida, which is a coaching event. So it's a personal and professional development, business development event that we're doing with Patrick Beth David. And, you know, when we're going there, we're going there intentional. What we want to achieve from that, aside from, you know, the creativity and getting some fresh ideas, seeing the rest of the world is really about meeting some great people and also uh, connecting with others and you know, creating relationships outside of our current circle of influence as we continue to uh, grow and work on the everyday millionaire and mindset matters and all the things that go with it. Because this is really putting what we've learned over these many years in terms of going into that kind of a space. But as we get ready to go into it, we're preparing. We're actually giving it. We're not just showing up a blank slate and saying this event is going to happen to me, we're going to the event and we're going to show up very intentionally. And this effective presence is an interesting conversation. You know, and it's one of those things about how do you want to be remembered? There's an amazing Maya Angelou quote that says, you know, rarely do people remember what you said, what you did, but they will always remember how you made them feel. And from a effective presence standpoint is that if you're aware of how people feel when you're talking. Do you remember their names? Do you remember what they like to drink? Do you remember that they're allergic to something? You know, I used to have, we used to have friends that were highly gluten and dairy intolerant. And every time I would cook, I would go, okay, what do I need to do to make sure that it's gluten-free, it's dairy-free and still make amazing, so make it, make an amazing meal. And oh yes. And by the way, they like this kind of wine and this kind of scotch and this kind of thing. And just to be mindful of those details. And to me, 
that's really important because it's not about, you know, sucking up or kissing ass or whatever. It's about really being present to what's important to that other person and then being able to fulfill on it. And that to me just transcends ego on so many levels. And I've had to do a lot of ego work. I've battled my ego over the years, you know, because I think like most high performers is that part of what drives us to be excellent is, is ego. So transcending that and finding a way to make it about the other person and their experience, how are you, how are you showing up for them and how are you occurring for them so that they feel heard, they feel supported, they feel honored? Exactly. Now there's, uh, I think there's about eight or so uh, key kind of components of effective presence that will help listeners kind of dial in or self-assess, if you will. So if you're being present to this particular podcast, here's some of the key points that you want to consider for effective presence. First one, and it's not in any order, but I'm putting them in order this way, which is confidence, because that really is essential for effective presence. So when you project confidence, when you show up for others, that way they trust your words, they see your intentions. And we have to be careful because none of that means arrogance. It doesn't mean that you're talking a lot about all your accomplishments. It really is just being self-assured, being present and listening. And that also is what exudes a little bit of confidence. And I know that when you get into, when we and anybody gets into certain environments, it comes with time but you have to actually get comfortable in those environments, which means you have to put yourself out there in order to have the confidence to do that. It's like speaking on stage. The more you do it, the more confidence you have because you're familiar with it. So confidence is an important one. Anything you want to add to that? Well, confidence is rarely owned. It's generally borrowed. And I think that word can be misunderstood. Yeah. When you talk about arrogance and you talk about ego and we talk about those things, confidence to me is about consistency and trust. If I screw up, I make a mistake, but I get back up on the horse and I try it again, and then I get a different result next time, my confidence will go up because I'm being faithful to the training that I have, or I'm being faithful to my commitment to the results and my commitment to the experience of others. That to me is where confidence lives. So if we have that and we walk in with that quiet, people have called me um, quietly confident because I don't come in with a big personality. I don't walk into the room with a lot of gregariousness. But over time, what I've discovered is that the more I come in being my authentic self and just being a, a good listener and, and being present to what I'm doing, the confidence in others goes up and their confidence in me goes up. So that to me is where I think effective presence and confidence are linked. Okay, so you brought up a good point when you're talking about confidence, and that is the word authenticity, which is another important part. Being authentic really is about showing up and being sincere in what you're doing and being true to who you are. And the message that you want to have is true to your values. And it really is about that way connecting with like-minded individuals. So that authenticity component of it is a really important part of the steps. Effective presence? Well, no, I'm thinking more about so thanks for that. Yes, effective <laughs> presence. I'm effectively present. No, okay. So effective presence. So let's just leave it there. Okay. Can I just segue off that a little bit? Is that I know that there's been times I've been sucked into people who come across super authentic and really gregarious and kind and all that stuff. And it's just bullshit, mm-hmm. you know? And I think one of the things that happens over time is that this type of work, similar to NLP, for example, neuro-linguistic programming can be used for good but it can also be used for not good. It can be used for manipulation. And I don't want people to have any kind of 
uh, thought process that, you know, this can be used or we use this to, to get results or to manipulate people. But I have had the experience over time where people that are so good at this that I get sucked in. And honestly, it bites me in the ass. Yeah, that's a good point. And we do need to pay attention to that. Okay, so we're going to keep moving on through these points or we're going to be a very long podcast. Clarity, which is really being able to articulate your ideas and your thoughts. Uh, really important part of, uh, of the whole process of how you think and being present. And whether you're speaking at a meeting or giving a presentation, you know, how you communicate really matters. And even in your writing, you know, something, texts can be often misread because people don't take the time to really, they're trying to shortcut it. And I get it, I do it too. But sometimes I have to stop and say, how is the other person going to read that? Something you have to pay attention to. Okay. Such a good point. Engagement. Engaging with the audience, with the person, is about maintaining their interest and involving them in the conversation. Now, the easiest way to uh, involve anybody in a conversation is to ask them about them and asking great questions and encouraging them to uh, participate in a conversation. And the way to do that is by having them talk about them, by asking questions about who they are, what they've got going on. And that is a just a, you know, that really is a way to stay engaged. Be that active listener, if you will. And not only that, just also being present to what they're saying and then responding, not thinking of the story that you're going to tell. You know, they're telling you about the time they went to France and you're busy thinking about telling them about the time you went to France. Mm -hmm. Right. So to me, that's been one of the skills I've learned over time is that that type of conversation, that level of engagement means that there is more of a listening, more of a pause that happens being thoughtful and mindful before you jump into telling them your story and just be curious. Um, one of the rules of thumbs that I use is that anytime someone stops talking, I will ask a minimum of one question about what they just said. And that has been a practice that I've done over the years. Give me an example of that. I don't like, I want to make sure that I'm on the same page. Okay. Well, let's use the, my friend goes to France story and they're so excited and they're happy and they're so excited. I've been to France like 15 times. Right. So I have a lot of stories too. So they're excited. They're telling the story. They're sharing with me. They're telling me what they experienced, etc. Then there's the natural pause. And in most situations, the next person or, or me, for example, would talk about my experience. So instead of doing that, I say, ah, tell me more. What type of winery was that? Oh, was that in the south of France or in the north of France? Interesting. I love that area. Then there's a, a, a space that gets created where then I can actually then maybe connect it to the time that I went to the south of France. But in that moment, I've trained myself to pause and then ask a question about what they just said or make a comment so that they know they're that or they feel hurt. Love that. So this is something that is uh, tough to do if you're in an uncomfortable situation. So again, go back to maybe you're with somebody that you've got on a pedestal, you know, somebody you admire, maybe they're really great at what they do and that's what you want to do. There's something that's intimidating about them. So effective presence and metacognition is being aware. It's really coming to that space in advance, knowing how you will respond. And that includes, for example, body language. So this is the 
tough one for a lot of people, which is when they're nervous, they'll shuffle a little bit if they're standing, they'll move around, they'll be distracted, they won't have eye contact. So it's those nonverbal cues that, you know, whether it be your posture or your eye contact or even gestures with your hands, and sometimes you over-exaggerate things, you laugh in the most inappropriate time, you become the try-too-hard person when, in fact, all you have to do is relax, use that metacognition and effective presence thought process to actually just be present and listen. You don't need to talk. And one of the things that I think is the most difficult to do, and we've done a lot of training in it, uh, over, we've trained because we just trained by practice, which is to not fill dead air. So in other words, if it goes quiet, be okay, okay with the silence. And a lot of people can't do that. Is that an example of being quiet? <laughs> you win. I'm being quiet. <laughs> okay, I don't know if it works on a podcast, sweetheart, <laughs> but good going. Maybe on YouTube, people will start on <laughs> my face that I was practicing being quiet. But good no, it's job. so true. In the pauses, there's a line that I use all the time is that excellence and performance comes from states of deep relaxation. Excellence and performance comes from states of deep relaxation. And that is also being aware of your breath, being how you're showing up for others, how you're showing up for yourself. Because if you want to show up for me, for example, as a speaker and a coach, I have to train myself to relax. If I don't, then I, I'm not giving my best performance. I'm not giving my most authentic self because, again, I become trying too hard girl or I you know, used to get caught up in all my quote unquote accomplishments and trying to prove myself all the time. And that just doesn't work with people. It turns them off, especially really successful people. They want to just know and they want to assume that you're successful and that you know it. They don't need to hear your resume. Yeah. So this goes back, as always, you know, to effective listening. So it goes back. We say it time and time again. Listen, be interested, be curious. And when somebody says something, be curious, you know, whether it's what does that mean? What was that like? Oh, my gosh, how did that make you feel? There was a really great story that was shared by somebody who was talking effective presence and being present. And what had happened in their particular story that they were giving examples was that, oh, I don't know, it was about a year earlier, their son or one of the kids, one of their children had been killed in a car accident. Well, and he saw a friend a year later that didn't know what had happened. And his friend, uh, what was really interesting about what his friend did was something that nobody else had done, which was gave him a hug, said, I didn't know that, but said, how do you feel? It's been a year. How are you? And it was the effective presence to know what his friend needed was a conversation. And it was really understanding that they hadn't seen each other for years. He was un disconnected from the fact that that incident had happened. And yet he was comfortable with it, knowing and was able to very quickly go, what does my friend need? Which was, in this case, to be heard. Now, his friend was the one telling the story, by the way. So it was this guy saying... When he asked me that question, he says, I broke down because he said nobody had asked me that question. And it was just an interesting thought process about active listening, being curious, but being about the other person, not about yourself. And yeah, that's the caring factor, right? We call it the give a shit factor. How high is your give a shit factor? Mm -hmm. well, no, that's a really good point. Okay. And then finally, we 
I don't know about finally, but another point, and this is one that plays to what we're talking about as we are off to this particular event, which is preparation. You know, really taking the time to consider what we're doing, why we're going, what we would like to get out of this particular event, understanding and really being aware of what the event is all about so that we can embrace the event. And that just takes some preparation, takes some conversation, takes some reading and uh, some thought process, some writing to really get clear on what do we want out of this event. It's a big event. Uh, it's got some really cool agenda parts to it in terms of learning that we want to embrace and take a part of. So anyways, I just share that thought process, which is, you know, really being prepared. Yeah, the ABCs always be coached. <laughs> oh, there you go. And then, you know, ultimately, there's another aspect of all of this, which is to have a positive impact. Now, you and I talk about that a lot in terms of just our overall purpose is to have a positive impact, to make a difference, to actually show up and have a presence that when we leave, people kind of go, well, that was an interesting conversation, or wow, what a great couple, or what a great person, or wow, wasn't that an interesting conversation? And uh, so really, it is about going in and thinking about what do I bring, not what do I get? Well, what's fascinating about that is that there'll be times when I haven't said a word or you and I haven't said a word in an entire conversation. And then <laughs> we get a text message and you go, that was the most interesting conversation. You guys are amazing. And we're so like, true. I never said a word. <laughs> that is funny, but it's so true. Okay. So, you know, at the end of the day, when we do these podcasts, this is really for us as a, another layer of personal and professional development. This is work that we are doing all the time. You know, when I get grounded in the fact that in leadership in fine tuning and honing leadership skills, this is the kind of work that I believe that you have to do to be a great public speaker and uh, really have and, and build communication skills. This is the kind of work that you have to do. So, uh, effective presence really does play a pretty significant role in what we do, uh, in the networking that we do, in the coaching that we do. I, th I guess ultimately, when we think about metacognition and effective presence, it really is kind of over the years of our training is how we're wired. This just gives it, I guess, a label. What's your thoughts on that? It gives it a container, a context that meta meaning bigger. Like if you're thinking, so cognition, if you're thinking bigger than yourself and thinking bigger than what you're just doing in this moment and what you're going to get, then that meta piece of it, the grander piece of it allows the space around you to open up so that more opportunities, maybe more creativity, more connection can show up. And that's really, I think, what this is about, whether it's effective presence or the metacognition is about connection. And right now, you know, so many people are being divided for whatever reason. And I want to do the opposite, not the obvious. I want to go in deep and I want to connect and I want to love hard and I want to give a lot. And I want to make sure that the people that are we're touching and the people that are in our circle feel that and they feel that to be true. And yes, we talked about before. Yes, this is our business. We need to make money. We love making money. We love teaching people how to make money and thought process, etc. So this isn't just altruistic, but it's great about that we can actually say that we're doing it from a place of what's real for us and what's authentic because there are many people that use this work and they are manipulative and they are their snakes and i just want people to be aware that if there are people that understand this as a science and as a psychology and to make sure that you're listening with all of your senses when when you're feeling that level of connection with people 
because it can be used for evil, not just for good. Fantastic. And on that note, we're going to sign off. Stephanie, your effective presence is off the charts. Good job. Awesome. Thanks, son. That was fun. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others. Share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.